Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. Um, today I'm your host, I'm Dawn Ballard. Today's episode, Vicky Luck and I are talking to Holly Christie all about being a young trustee. Um, so a trustee is one of a group of people who provide support for a CEO of a charity where they contribute their skills and expertise to help play a fundamental role in the strategic development of the organisation. So we talked to Holly all about how she does this, how she balances it with her day job of being a corporate fundraiser and why more people should be getting involved in being a trustee. Hello everyone, it's Vicky and Dawn from Charity Chat and we're here today with Holly Christie talking about her experience as a young trustee. Welcome Holly. Thank you for having me. How did you even get into um, the third sector and then obviously becoming a trustee? Um, I kind of fell into the third sector, which I think most people do, to be honest. Um, so uh, I began working at a challenge events company, um, working with charities to raise money that way, and then very quickly realised that what I was interested in was sort of corporate fundraising, building partnerships, and the impact that they could do. Um, and so started my first charity job was with Girl Guiding, which uh, was brilliant as a sort of uh, raging feminist at the time. It was great to work at such a brilliant organisation under um, Julie Bentley. Um, and then continued moving through different uh, sort of roles, different charities from there. And then I think I got to a certain stage in my career and I thought, okay, I'm starting to really know this fundraising stuff and I'm starting to really know the sector. Um, what can I do that actually gives back? Um, and that's when I started looking at being a trustee. Um, the first role I had was for a women's centre in West Hampstead called the West Hampstead Women's Centre, um, very aptly named, um, and I really like that. I live in the northwest area, so it's my local centre, it's one of the last um, women's centres left in the UK after all the cuts that the Conservative government have done, um, and so I like the idea of A, it's in my local community, B, they needed fundraising support, um, and they wanted sort of younger uh, women to be on the board as well, so that's how I kind of representative maybe of all their beneficiaries. Exactly, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so that was really, really nice, um, I did that for three years. Um, and you know, really help professionalise their fundraising and give them some support. Um, and then I think it's very important that if you are doing something for three years of trustee role, actually sometimes it is time to step down, new blood, get new sexes in, um, which is when I then went for trustee role at um, the Abortion Support Network. And so I'm now their secretary. Um, and the Abortion Support Network is essentially a, um, we fund women to have abortions. So women in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and the Isle of Man, um, any yeah, woman or pregnant person can't access abortions in those countries as it stands currently and so we give them the money so they can come to, the, to England and have healthcare that they are apt to have. So they roles that were advertised or how did you find out about the vacancies? Yeah. So for the West Hampstead Women's Centre one, that was definitely on or oh, what's it called? Doit.org. And I saw it through there and I actively went looking. Um, and they've got loads and loads of roles there. I think it's one of the best places to go for trustee jobs for sure. And then Abortion Support Network, I was very keen that I wanted to go to a national charity that was working on women's rights still. I really wanted to do something that I'm personally passionate about because you give up so much of your and time. And is that right? what motivates you? Yes. 
exactly. So then I had a look on their website and it just so happened at the time that I was looking, they were looking for new trustees. So it was kind of a win-win really. Yeah, just, yeah, perfect fluke. But again, I think they advertise all their trustee jobs again on Do It. It's a very popular place. And generally speaking, as someone that's fairly young um, in their career as well, with all your fundraising corporate experience combined, yeah. how have you found being a trustee and what's your general experience overall? I think when you first start, it's incredibly scary because you are essentially the, the person responsible for that organisation. So any misconduct, all the regulations, all the governance. So when you first go for it, it's absolutely terrifying. I think it's different if you go to a big national charity because they often have governance teams, they have a, a member um, of staff whose job is to make sure that the charity is following the law. When you go to a small charity, they barely have staff, you know, so the Abortion Support Network only has two and a half members of staff. Um, so they don't have the capacity to also be checking in that we're following the law. That's my job, particularly as secretary. Um, so I think scary is the first and foremost thing is just I think it's quite daunting and if you can get over that and realize there's lots of free materials and support the charity commission are great um, at giving you that information then it becomes quite exciting actually because you get to see a different side of the third sector that you don't see when you work in it so for me as a fundraiser it's made me a better fundraiser it's like seeing the other side actually isn't it? yeah and so when you go through when you want to um, put a business case so you want some more investment in your team and you know it's gonna have to go to the trustees I now know so much more about what the trustees are after I know how little they know about the actual minutiae of what you're doing they just know top level right they just like this is the corporate team they bring me in one 1.1 million, yeah. great. Yeah. We want to bring in more, make it happen. <laughs> exactly, that's what they know. They don't know that it's from this and this little bin, you know, we want to move more strategically towards this, or they have no idea really about any of that. And do you agree that actually that's the level that they should yeah. remain at? Because obviously, you know, quite a few of us here have had some experience at um, different charities, different organisations. Yeah. Obviously they all function slightly differently, but I suppose what's your take, having seen both sides? I, I think it is good for them to stay like that. I think. Um, I think it's good to give someone an overarching perspective and actually because they don't know the minutiae, um, they can come in with such clearer perspectives, you know, in a way they become an objective subjective force for you. Oh, I so like someone, that. Yeah, yes. so, yeah, that totally so someone sense. who... <laughs> <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so someone who knows your charity, they care about what you're doing, they're invested in it, but they have to be objective on it because they don't quite know everything yet, um, which I really like. And I think one of the things that Abortion Support Network before I joined this year, the trustee board, one of the main business um, sort of critical things for the past three years was to make the trustee board move away from being operational. And so what you find for smaller charities is a lot of the time um, the trustee board are essentially volunteers in other ways. So they will be your professional fundraiser, they'll be doing the communications, volunteer management, service delivery, you know, especially small charities that don't have a lot of resource. Um, and one of the key things that they wanted to do was realise that to go from this sort of startup charity and to go to in its adolescence and become a more professional charity, they needed their, their trustee board to actually step back and become, you know, strategic. We're not there to make operational decisions. That's the point of having your staff. Um, and they're the best place to do it. I do volunteer my time as a fundraiser as well, but I made it very clear that 
this is me as a professional fundraiser dedicating my time it's completely separate to my role as a trustee so when when there's stuff to do with trustee I reply on my ASN email address and it's all very you know through the organization when it's to do with me being a fundraiser that's when I get it on my personal email address and it, it's a simple thing but it's kind of saying I'm here as another volunteer like any of your other fundraisers. And it helps to draw that line as well. I think so. For colleagues and members of staff. Yeah <laughs> and you also don't want there to be um, a sort of undue expectation on other people within the board to then also have to volunteer their time because you know you do meet at least once a quarter you have strategy days you have AGMs if you're a membership organization all of that so that's already quite a lot of work if you're a busy person you've got family etc was I've got the time so I don't mind doing it but I don't want you know my colleague on the board to have to then feel oh crap I need to be given up more weekends or anything like that I mean generally speaking what would you say would be the expectations of anyone wishing to join some sort of board yep um, I think it will be generally I would expect um, quarterly meetings as a bare minimum if it's a membership organization there'll be an AGM um, and then probably some maybe one extra sort of end of financial year just before that so sometimes like we had a board meeting in December but we'd also had a board meeting in October so we had quite a quick one because it was the end of financial year so that's quite normal um, and then sometimes things like strategy days, away days, that kind of thing, particularly when you come into the end of a business um, plan. So we're going into our new three years, so we all met to discuss you know, what the new future was for the organisation. So that's quite normal. Um, and then any other kind of sort of... Sometimes we get asked to do, I don't know, events where you might speak on behalf of the organisation or you might want to... Do, because you're in a way you're, most, you're the most senior volunteer within that organisation right so if you want to thank your volunteers a lot of the time you kind of go along to volunteer recognition yeah. you know parties and stuff like that which is quite nice and then it's the stuff that you do on top of that so I have to make sure charity commission and companies houses up to date so all those kind of bits and pieces because I'm the secretary right and um, so I have that extra duty um, and then any kind of training that you might want to go on as well as a trustee, what are your expectations of working with other members of the board, obviously with um, other members of staff within the organisation yeah. and with the chief exec as well? I, I suppose with other members of the board, again, it's, it's mostly to do with those meetings itself. You might have subcommittees, so we have like a fundraising and marketing committee, we have a finance and risk committee, which is very standard. Um, How many people are on the board? There is now nine of us and is that similar to where you were before yes so yeah. that's yeah kind of about nine i think you about don't manageable want, you don't I want too many so. more than you that don't <laughs> too much more um particularly because obviously you'll have your chief executive in the room if there's a specific strategic point then you have another staff member in the room um so if you start to get more uh, it becomes a bit unwieldy i think um so i would i would always say about nine twelve probably maximum and is your board also um inclusive of the different committees the hmm. marketing fundraising so the subcommittees always yeah. made up of main board members yeah, yeah for sure so I think it, yeah it's stuff to do with that in terms of what I would be expected um, and then trustee recruitment as well so actually recruiting a new wave of trustees when all of that stuff happens it sounds like a lot of work but have you enjoyed it yeah I love it <laughs> I, love, I love going to the board meetings because you get you get to sort of 
when you work at a charity, you can be incredibly proud of what you do and when you achieve something, great. But when you're the trustee of a charity, there's something even more exciting about saying, wow, we're going to take it from here to here. And if you're committed, which I hope you would be, and you would do your sort of three years, I would say, you know that you're going to get to see that through to fruition. And that's incredibly exciting, watching an organization go through a different strategic point. Whereas when you're in the organization, you're kind of one cog in a wheel. Whereas here, you're kind of the, I don't know, the architect watching it all happen. Um, and that's quite exciting. So it's, it's kind of, it's worth it. But it is a commitment, and so no one should ever go into it just expecting to do the bare minimum. Um, you, you know, you are there trying to do the best for the organisation, that's the point. And for the recruitment element, so mm. you saw the ads, you had to do a formal application yep. and interviews and yes, things like that? exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it's, and different places do it differently. Obviously, the bigger the charities, the more rigorous, etc, etc. But generally, yes, formal application, um, and then I did an interview, and that's purely with the trustee. Um, so, because I was doing the role of secretary, the secretary who was stepping down interviewed me with two other um, trustees as well. So it's panel three, and then um, then I met with the chief executive and did a kind of um, chemistry test there. <laughs> she was then also happy. And then again, we're a membership organisation, so then you have to go to the AGM and you have to get all the members to vote you in. Um, and that that's the nerve-wracking part because they, they've not had an instance where they haven't voted a trustee in, but you were like, but I could be the first. Yeah, yeah. if I expect that. Yeah, exactly. And you, exactly. you have to stand there saying, you know, hello, um, this is me please vote me in and you have to watch all the hands go up and you just think oh thank goodness you know um, it's quite intense it is quite intense for sure and then some places they do things where you can shadow so you might be interested in becoming a trustee but you're not sure if it's going to be the right fit for you just right um, so you can go in and essentially sit on the board as a observer so you can't make any decisions or anything like that but you're there purely to observe um, and then if there's something that you have an expertise on you can give advice um, and then if you then if you want to then you can ask to be voted in so that sounds really sensible because it is so. a big responsibility um, you know and like a job interview I guess like you want to make sure it's right for both of you Definitely. and that chemistry is right and the charity is as you think it's going to be and yep. um, so so many things to sort of check out and make sure the feel yeah. is and the fit is right so I think yeah shadowing is a great way to and always check you know check the charity on charity commission you know make sure that they're filing their accounts and that they have good accounts because you know you, the worst thing that you I think the worst thing you could do as a new trustee is to join a board and then find that the charity is either corrupt, you know, which you could probably tell from their numbers, or is failing and you're going to have this huge responsibility on you but you won't have the but you won't have the experience yet of how to turn it around some trustees are very good at that right so that's the perfect time to go on but if it's your first time and you're not sure about all the legal stuff then joining a you know a board that's not doing very well would you say that's a recommended time in your career to really look at so this as a next step i don't think so i think it's you've always got something to give right um and i think We've got so many small charities, particularly in the UK, that are struggling for funding. And I think if you're someone who's had a year's experience in fundraising, that's a skill that they need. You know, they'll want that. Anyone that has any insight, because usually it will be the service manager, the chief executive, the managing director, whatever they may be. They'll be trying to run services and also keep all the money coming in. 
they generally won't have a fundraiser employed. So, you know, if you can offer some expertise in fundraising and help them professionalise that, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I don't think a year is, yeah, fine. I think if you had no experience in fundraising, fundraising specifically, because that's what I think of, um, then, yeah, you, you're probably going to be throwing yourself into a massive deep end. But make sure you've got something to offer in any kind of case. You know, if you're in, if you're in the press team, then they're still going to want to have some experience in that, particularly if it's relevant. If you're going for a campaign in an organisation and you started a job in campaigns, it makes sense, right? Yeah, but, uh, I think make sure, as long as it's something that they will need, yeah. it's always worthwhile. And I think it's obviously really clear the sort of skills and expertise and knowledge that a trustee can bring uh, to the organisation. But personally for you, what do you think you've taken from the experience? I think, like I said, that kind of understanding of what a board is looking for within an organisation, I think that's really important, you know, seeing the other side. Um, I think getting a better understanding on finances for example. So a different motivation to sort of learn and, and to upskill in those areas. Yeah, I so think did you so. get kind of training and support in, in that or um, is that something that just through being in that role you've taken more seriously? Yeah, yourself, yeah I think so yeah definitely and um, there is training out there um, yeah. if you want to um, charity commission do a trustees toolkit. So yeah that's really handy which is really really good. So there's yeah there's lots out there if you if you need it and you want it. I I'm generally I'm quite bad I, I love just learning as I go and learning from people I pick it up better I'll go to a day's training and nine times out of ten I'll forget all of it after you know two weeks. standard for training I, I mean how much information can our brains take in every day exactly whereas if I'm learning it because the situation is there and yeah. someone's telling me then I, I yeah preserve that knowledge better so and, and I think the final thing is that generally trustee board you do have a lot people who are a lot older than you and they're often not from the third sector um, so you get to see and hear different perspectives outside of the sector which is really valuable. We operate in a massive bubble where we think everyone thinks like us and funnily enough no one thinks like us. Um, and so you get on this trustee board and you're meeting you know, lawyers and finance professionals and trade unionists sure. and they all have a completely different perspective so that's And actually how do you think um, organisations can continue attracting individuals from all different industries, um, different professions, roles and experience? I think it's about being specific about the skills that you want on a trustee board. So if you just say we want new trustees, I think you'll get, I have no evidence for this, this is pure polyconjecture, <laughs> but I think you'll get less applicants. But I think if, you're, if you say we need someone with legal expertise and then you ask law firms, to, because most law firms will be like, yeah, we'll pull up on our internet, you know, we have a little volunteer section or whatever, big companies often do, and then also go to all your local areas as well. Um, I think you're more likely to get people to apply because if you think how alien the private sector seems to us who have only been in the third sector, the third sector seems like a whole other planet to people in the private sector who've never worked in it, right? So I think they think that we're one thing and it's not, etc. So a lot of the time as well for trustee board, they, they will be thinking, well, why would they want my skills? What do I know about running? 
a national charity. And actually, it's like we just need someone with a legal brain. Like we need someone to make sure that we're not. Going, you know, abortion support network. One of the things we had to be careful of is we're funding people to come get abortions from countries where it's illegal to have abortions. Are we going to be breaking the law? You know, yeah, just to make sure. Exactly. So clarify those things. So you exactly. need the right people to ask, don't you? Yeah. And if you've got someone on your board with that expertise, and you can sit there quite confidently, uh, knowing that you're, yeah, following all the procedures, and you're being responsible. That's yeah. always the key thing. Trustee, it's just like, it's one thing that sits in the forefront of your mind is, are we being responsible? That's yeah. kind of all that matters. Yeah, it's the public's money, it's the com- uh, charity's yeah. reputation. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders there yeah. to get it right. Yeah. It sounds very sensible to have the trustee board doing the skills audit, seeing where the gaps are, going exactly. out, and again, to bridge that gap. You know, if you're applying for a normal job, you'd apply for a job that fits your skill set. Exactly. So actually, trusteeship totally could work yeah. the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what I found in recruitment too, a lot of people have kind of done a, a corporate career and then they want to give back and exactly they... i think it is about that wanting to give back i think the private sector generally they they sort of had a they feel like they've had a career of um you know making money and so they like the idea and and again it's it's causes that matter to them right you know if you're if you're a massive feminist and you believe in women's rights why wouldn't you want to be the trustee of the yeah. abortion support network <laughs> that's my opinion anyway. <laughs> sure. yeah so i think and i think you know um the other good thing about trustees, I think what makes it work well is if you recruit uh, people from your beneficiary group, right? Yeah, be really in, in touch with your supporters. And we did um, a podcast recently on diversity and just how important it is, yes, to represent your beneficiaries, but just to represent the area you're the working public, within public, and the just public in general. Yeah, you know, reality. <laughs> yeah. I and I think, yeah, diversity is a huge, huge, huge problem in the, in the trustee world, I would say. You're only being steered by a group of people who all think the same from the same yes. background. Then who, like, who are you actually yeah. doing this for, right? There's no deep understanding of actually, in terms of commercial speak, who your target market is. Yeah, exactly. And what are you missing? Because, mm. you know... Because you're all like for like, thinking the same way. Yeah, exactly. You're all going to come up with the same ideas. For so. sure, yeah. Um, so I, I think it's really important that, yeah, we get more diversity in there. How do you think um, organisations could go around better attracting those sort of individuals and just from an age demographic as well, you know, younger, audacious, confident, all those wanting to break into the world of trustees? I think partly it's the way that they advertise the roles because it does seem really daunting, so particularly for young people, it's just about making it more simplified. Um, Removing those barriers. Yeah, and the kind of obscureness behind all of it, like it it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, because if they haven't been in the sector very long, they're not going to know the language that's used and everything therefore just seems like such a barrier. Exactly, so I think really simplify it. I think really advertise to um, actually actively target those groups and network. I don't think there's anything wrong with just like you're saying we need some more legal experience to say we would like a diverse board that represents our beneficiaries so we would really welcome applications from people who are from a BME background, LGBT, or have a disability. Like, I really don't think 
that's a bad thing to do. I'm not a diversity expert, maybe yeah. um, that's bad practice. I don't think it no, is. No, it's though. not, absolutely not. And, and from working in recruitment, when I take job briefs from organisations, and when the organisation says, oh, and by the way, we really do want this, yeah. they absolutely list that. And that's great, because then we put it in our adverts, it's getting it out there exactly. more. And it's like, actually, this organisation has a culture of really trying to encourage diversity. Yeah. So as a recruitment agency, we're going to try and represent that yeah, as well. Definitely. Like, you know, they've said it's important, we're going to take that message out. Just as if they'd said, we need someone with management experience. Yeah. Like, whatever the, the organisation tells us, we'll drive it. But it needs definitely. to be a culture thing, and it needs to come from everywhere. And actually, so. if you've got a diverse trustee board, hopefully that will mean you've got a diverse organisation and everything exactly. links together. Exactly, and falls through, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that... The other side of it is when you then finally do go through to recruitment. So if you're trying to recruit a young trustee, but then the people who are doing the interviewing are only your really oldest trustees, and the one that you've got who's kind of relatively young isn't doing the, the recruitment, it's kind of like you're missing out on your best ambassador to recruit that diversity, right? So I think, you know, use the people that you've got to be like, look, I'm here, I feel welcome, I'm part of this, come along on that journey with me and be part of the change. Um, but I think if we all sit there still wallowing and kind of being a bit coy about it, then it's never going to change. Yeah, you mentioned before about kind of the many hats you wear and being a corporate fundraiser and being a trustee. How do you manage that conflict between um, your current workplace and where you're a trustee, and also within being a trustee, your fundraising and your governance? Yes. I don't really have a conflict of interest where I am at the moment. Um, we're, my current role is international development. Not, we don't do any projects in the UK. Um, in a completely different space, it's, you know, children. So there's not really a conflict there, I don't think. Um, we we do a whole section where people have to actually announce that they've got conflicts of interest. So they might be a trustee on another board or they might work somewhere that's in competition or, you know, with, with your organisation. So there is that. Um, I think corporate fundraising you always have to be particularly careful with because I think trustees, if they're looking to get a fundraiser on board and they see a corporate fundraiser, they assume that you're going to bring all your corporate contacts with you and get them lots of money. My, yes. my board never thought that, thankfully. Generally speaking, um, I've always experienced that as a corporate fundraiser as well. Yes. Actually, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of dependency on members of your SMT, your trustee board as well, to actually provide you with the networks that you seek. But actually, it's not always the case. It's also not always appropriate. So actually, how do you get past that as a trustee? Yeah, I think, I think the hardest thing about being a third sector trustee, so someone who works in third sector and then is a trustee as well, is that... You don't have any of that, and I'm a fundraiser, and like I've been in many jobs where I'm like my trustee board, they have no connections. How are we meant to get philanthropy off the ground if they don't have any? And of course, you don't. I don't have those. It's like, do you want me to introduce you to all the rest of my poor charity friends? You know, like, I don't have that same use. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? So, so instead of being able to say like, I I can't open up a little black book. I don't have it. Yeah. I don't come from wealthy family either. So I literally have nothing mm. to give you. 
other than my expertise and knowledge yeah. and my time. And is there fun. is that preconception actually that you know all trustees come from some sort of affluent background or exactly. have some amazing lifestyle. <laughs> and that's what needs to change? Yes. I think it's good to have a mixture, right? If you've got someone on your board who is wealthy or does have connections and they're willing to use it, amazing. You know, yeah. you need they need to open that book and if they believe in what you're doing, they should be willing to ask. Yeah. Right? I think instead what I, I kind of say to myself is that my job as a trustee who has fundraising experience is to empower and encourage the other trustees to not be afraid of the ask. So for those who've never done fundraising before, actually asking someone for money is a real difficult thing. Yeah. And so instead my job is to kind of coach them through that and help them through that if they are scared of it. Um, because a lot of fundraising and charity work actually is new to these members of the Yeah, board. exactly. Yeah, they, they don't understand how it traditionally works. And I think that's where your diverse experiences, whether that's from work or your background, comes in real handy. Because sometimes they're talking about stuff, legal stuff, for example. We just had the repeal, um, repeal the 8th in um, Ireland happened recently and there was a lot of stuff to the legal stuff to do with that campaign and I would just sit back and be like I'm leaving this to you guys like I have no idea what you're talking about whatsoever and that was okay and then sometimes we start talking about oh you know what's our attrition rates on our regular donors or whatever and then that's the more your bag trustees sit back and they go I have no idea and they just let us get on with it and that's why it's really important so they can learn a bit from it but you know I think if they're they're toying with the idea of doing something fundraising y and they're like, Oh, but I don't know how my friends will like it, for example, then you can kind of be like, My experience is, is that no one cares when their friends ask them for money for something that they're really passionate about, right? Yeah. And actually how um, how do organisations engage with their trustees to really keep them bored, keep them interested in what's happening and vice versa? That is a really difficult one, so it depends really. If you've got an organisation that already has a good culture of volunteering and has a really good volunteer journey, so Abortion Support Network is basically run on volunteers, so like I said, two and a half members of staff, um, and other than that, our helpline is run by volunteers, our um, newsletter is run by, you know, everything is run by volunteers, so because of that, we already have a really good, you know, things like a volunteer newsletter, and all trustees basically we opt in to receive that newsletter so we get a kind of monthly update on what the charity's up to and we're hearing how they're communicating with other people as well we're all encouraged to sign up if we can afford it so to be a regular giver um, which is really good or if you can't afford to then that you're encouraged to do a fundraiser to raise some of that money um, which means then you get part of that journey as well and you start to experience it and then for us we also have a Facebook group it's a closed Facebook group for all volunteers, so okay. the volunteers get to know us that way, which is quite yeah, nice. A bit of access. Yeah. And then, again, we're a membership organisation, so um, we have the AGM, and the AGM will always be followed with a little party, so you have to perform a bit, and the trustees are encouraged to sit with everyone, and, you know, trustees don't go sit over here and all the other volunteers there, we're encouraged sure. to sit with everyone, and then you have your little party and celebration afterwards, and again, encouraged just to sort of network and make people aware that you're there. Um, and then sometimes if the board has been particularly impressed with something that a volunteer has done, then, um, you know, we we ask if it's okay if we sort of 
email from the board. It's kind of still recognition. Yeah, like thank you so much for this amazing yeah. piece of work, like real incredible. Um, and we try and get that to come from the board to kind of show. That's you really know, lovely. Great. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, everyone so likes to be a bit appreciated, don't they? Oh, yeah. I think so. Especially <laughs> volunteers. Yeah. Especially for such a small nothing. organisation, actually, yeah. there's more burden on those shoulders than if you were to, you know, spread it out across huge, huge numbers. We have, we have like a team of 15 volunteer fundraisers. You can barely pay fundraisers <laughs> to be fundraisers, <laughs> and they volunteer their time. I think they're incredible, so I think it's always good to put them recognition. And then strong relationships with the CEO obviously is going to be key to keep Definitely. that flow of information coming up and down between yeah. the board and, and the staff. For sure, I mean, I think, you know, I've not been a chair of the trustee board before, but that's, you know, that is one of the key things. The chair is their line manager at the end of the day, yeah. um, but they're an absent line manager. They can't see how their mental health yeah. is doing and if it's stressful mm. and if they've got a good work-life balance. You know, you are putting a lot of trust in them yeah. um, and hoping that you, and you have to then build quite a very strong trusting relationship quite quickly so that when you do see them once a quarter or maybe a bit more often or have phone calls you can read their body language quite quickly you can kind of tell if they're sort of keeping it you know keeping it from you or whatever so it's a real important role so i think it's amazing kind of what you do and what all the trustees out there do and i think quite often we just forget that responsibility that is on people's shoulders yeah. doing those roles so um total respect uh, for that more people should just apply there's yeah. i can't remember what the stat. i think a small charities coalition put something out the other day and there's thousands of unfilled trustee jobs wow all over the uk Okay, we'll try and find a link to people are um, absolutely dying for people to come onto their boards yeah. and I think particularly if you are from a diverse background, if you're young, if you're a woman, if you're LGBT, BAME, you've got disability, any of those things, yeah. like particularly go Get out your voice there and, heard. and yeah, like, <laughs> we need to change it. So Amazing. Sure. Awesome. Well thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, Holly. Thanks for having me. <laughs>Thanks to Holly Christie for that really interesting insight in all about being um, a trustee for um, a charity or for various charities that she's been involved with. Um, it's been really interesting to hear how it's mutually beneficial, like she's adding value to the organisation and um, they're getting a lot from her expertise as well. Um, so thank you listener for listening. Um, do give us your feedback, do check us out on charitychat.co.uk. We're always interested in your thoughts, your suggestions for new podcasts and your comments on previous episodes, so do get in touch. Um, so all that's left is for me to thank our corporate sponsors. Um, who make this all viable for us. So thank you to Giant Squib Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Thank you to Magda Agsmith for the website design, for Forest of Falls for providing the soundtrack throughout, and RR Yard Photography for donating their images for our website. So thank you to keep listening and we'll catch up with you again soon.